In your Bible, the very first page, the very first page of your Bible, Genesis chapter 1, and stand with me as we read God's Word together, please. Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to be, begin reading in verse 26. We're, I think this is the fifth message now in this series, and uh, we're down to verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image. Notice the pronouns, they're plural. Let us, not me or I, us, referring to the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I've given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat or for food. To every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Heavenly Father, I come to you again this morning. Today I need a very special anointing of your Holy Spirit as I deal with some very sensitive things here. I pray that you will guide me, give me wisdom I pray that everything that I say will be beneficial and helpful, that none of it will be harmful. Holy Spirit of God, fill me now as I preach your word in Jesus' name, amen. You hold in your hand and in your lap today the most hated book in all the world. Do you know that? Now, it's also the most loved, but it's the most hated book in all the world. There are countries where you can be imprisoned for even owning a copy of the Bible. Now, you look in the book, the Bible, there are 66 books. And I, I believe the most hated book in the Bible is the book of Genesis that you have. We're going through these first 11 chapters now. And I believe of the chapters in Genesis, 50 of them, I believe that the most hated chapter is this chapter right here, the first chapter, because first of all, it tells of divine creation, which just flies in the face of secularism and the way the world is going right now. And then it also deals with sexuality, human sexuality, which is one of the great issues of our times. And so today... I want you to look at that, at this passage of Scripture with me very carefully. Verse 26 and 7 
repeatedly refers to the image of God, the image of God. This was the heart of the message last week as I preached to you on the image of God in man, the creation of man by the hand of God. The term the image of God means that in certain respects, you and I resemble Almighty God. Now, not in every way. God doesn't have a physical body. Jesus Christ does, but God the Father and the Holy Spirit do not. They're spirit beings, we're told in Scripture. So how do we resemble God if He doesn't even have a body? Well, I think the image of God, and I went over these last week. I didn't tell you there were 10 of them, but I mentioned them. There are 10 ways that the image of God is revealed in man. Number one, we have a mind. We have a brain. We think, and God thinks and plans. Secondly, we have emotions. We feel. We love. We hate. We get angry. We laugh. Emotions. God is an emotional being as well. Then God has a will. God acts. He makes choices. He determines and goes that way. We have a will. Each of us are capable of determining what we want to do and acting upon that determination. God is a self-conscious being. He repeatedly refers to himself, and you see that there is an awareness. He knows who he is, where he is, what his surroundings are. You and I have that capability. A tree can't do that, even though it has an elementary form of life. Most animals are not very self-conscious, but human beings are. We know we are, first of all. We know we're separate from the environment around us. And then we have imagination. God certainly had imagination to create the universe, did he, did he not? And we have a conscience. We know what is morally right and what is morally wrong. That came from God, who also determines. In fact, he is the standard for right and wrong. And then God has relationships, and we resemble him in that way. We're capable of multivaried relationships, different people, different kinds of relationships, lots of relationships, if you will. Then we can communicate, and God communicated to us in his word through his son. In fact, his son's name is the word of God. The instrument of communication is what is one of the names of the Lord Jesus himself. We worship. No other creature can worship except man because no other creature has that awareness of God as does a human being. And then lastly, God is eternal. He is immortal, and he made us to be immortal. He put within us a soul and a spirit that is ever living, never dying, endless, dateless, timeless, eternal. There was a time when I was not. There will never be a time again in all the eons of eternity when I do not exist or when you do not exist. We're here, and we're going to be here for all of eternity. This is the image of God. And these ten qualities stamped upon Adam and later his wife Eve, these ten qualities make us unique. It makes us infinitely superior to any other living being, whether it be plant or animal or fish or fowl, 
Human beings are absolutely superior, and the thing that makes them superior is this image of God that God planted upon every human being. And I want to reiterate, you have that image in you. Whether you think about it or realize it or not, you resemble God in some or all of these ways. And this is the basis of human dignity. Why do we attribute dignity to other people? Why are we taught to respect others? Turn with me in your Bible quickly, the book of Psalms, number 8, and I want to show you the basis of human dignity, why humans deserve to be treated like they have the image of God in them, like they bear a resemblance to the Almighty. Psalm number 8, I begin the reading in verse number 3. When I consider the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man? Now there's the question. What is man that thou art mindful of him? The psalmist is asking the question of God. Why should you even consider God? Look at the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars. Look at this universe, this solar system with its billions of galaxies. Why would you even be mindful of man and the son of man that you would visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. Every human being has been crowned by God with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. The psalmist just quits, and he just says, Oh, God, it's so great I can't even begin to comprehend it all. Your greatness, your wonder, your awesomeness, that you could create something as wonderful as man and woman and put them in this planet and give them life. The basis of human dignity is the image of God stamped upon every human being. And I don't care if you're talking about the king of Prussia or you're talking about a homeless man living under a bridge. It doesn't matter their status, their race, their age, their, their social status. Every human being is stamped with the image of God. That's the basis of human dignity and respect. Don't ever forget that. Well, I've preached on that as long as I can. I'm hesitating because I've got to go to my next point. It's verse 27. It says, God created them male and female. And why would I hesitate? Because I'm uncomfortable and before I get through, you're going to be uncomfortable. Because one of the greatest issues today in the United States and across the Western world is the issue of male and female. Because a kind of insanity has gripped America today. A sexual anarchy is taking place, whether you understand it or even believe it or not. 
It's called the gender identity movement. I'll give you a definition of what the movement is about. It says that sex is not determined by God or nature or biology, but that one can choose his or her own gender. I don't guess I should say his or her. One can choose from among 59 different genders. Now, if you think I'm making this up, I got this off of the Duke University website. Boy, if they said it at Duke, it's got to be true, huh? Oh, yeah. So you can go to the Duke University website, and you'll find what I'm getting ready to tell you right now. Because it says that now the gender movement represents 59 different genders. In fact, I usually refer to this movement as LGBTQ. I'm behind the times. It, this is from the Duke University website. <laughs> LGBTQQIP2SAA+, which means there's more to come. There's more to come. What does that stand for? The absurdity that is gripping our nation. The irrationality. Or as the country boy called it, the craziness of what's happening in our society. Those letters I just read to you stand for lesbian, gay, bi, trans, queer, questioning, intersex, pansexual, two-spirit, androgynous, asexual. I don't even know what some of those terms mean. And you don't. I couldn't even find them in a dictionary they're so new. But if you ha don't think it goes from the top to the bottom, I watched on television as a woman who has been named as a candidate for the Supreme Court of the United States was asked to define the word woman. Did y'all watch it? She said, I can't. I didn't major in biology. <laughs> this woman's going to be making the rules that you're going to live by. And she can't define woman. The reason she was there, according to the president, is she was a black woman. But she couldn't or wouldn't tell the definition of woman. We are a confused people. We're not allowed now to say that any kind of sexual activity is immoral or off-limits or wrong. That would be hate speech by definition today. In Denmark this past week, a Lutheran pastor was arrested for reading from the Bible the passages that deal with homosexuality. All he did was read it. But they said, you can't read it anymore aloud in a public gathering. He was later released, thankfully. And in Canada, you're not allowed to preach on these subjects. One of our young men is pastoring a church there, and he has told me about the law. And in America, if you preach on it very much, you're going to get canceled, which means you're going to get kicked off of public airways. And you're your voice is going to be silenced so much for free speech, 
First Amendment rights, etc. This false narrative is anti-Bible. God said he created man, male and female. So it's anti-Bible. It's anti-science. It's anti-truth and reality. Who is behind it? Well, this is my opinion here. The Bible doesn't say this. I think behind it is big government, big business, big media, big education, big pharma, and sadly, many churches across the country. I recently filled out a South Carolina marriage license after marrying a couple, and I noticed it no longer says male, it no longer says female, it no longer says bride, it no longer says groom. It says the party of the first part and the party of the second part. I looked at the couple and I laughed and I said, which one are you, first or second? We're, we're a society that can put people on the moon and we can't define woman. If you go to the hospital, many, I don't know, I'm not speaking of local hospitals, I don't know. But you fill out the paperwork at hospitals or apply for a bank loan with certain big banks. You're going to check mail female, other. If you fill out an application for a passport, it's male, female, X. A confused society. When there's a simple, simple statement here, on the first page of the Bible, God created man, male, and female. But I told you, this is the most hated book in the world. We're in the most hated book of that Bible. We're in the most hated chapter because the chapter puts all the glory and honor to Almighty God, not to man. And the chapter tells us how all of this came to be. And so, as a society now, for a long time, we've been rejecting that. And this is where we are now. We have 59 different forms of gender rather than just male and female, as God said. What's the motivation? What is driving this? Well, Mama always said, follow the money, Bill. And you know, sex is a very highly profitable business. The sex trade is a very highly profitable business. The porn industry, several hundred thousand websites now. The driving motivation for trafficking, the driving motivation for prostitution in many cases. There's that part of it, taking in billions of dollars a year. And then think of the money that's being made through gender reassignment surgeries. And think of the money that's being made through the drugs. Do you understand that these people in this transitioning thing are taking the drugs that we use for chemical castration? That teenagers are taking those drugs 
certain places in our country now. It's enough to make you weep. It's not only driven by money, it's driven by ideology. In your Bible, Psalm number 2. Here's the exact description of what's happening in America. Psalm number 2. Why do the heathen rage? It might be descriptive of America today in the West. And why do the people imagine, listen to this phrase, a vain thing? There's the imagination factor that's part of the, part of the image of God, but now it's been used in a wrong way. Why do the people use their imaginations for a vain or empty thing? The kings of the earth. The political leaders set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against God and against His anointed, the Lord Jesus Christ. And they say, let us break their bands asunder. What are the bands? They're the restrictions that God has put upon us, the rules of life that God gave us, the Ten Commandments and the other teachings of the Word of God. Let us break God's bands, His restrictions and cast away his cords from us. And so it just, right here, I think it defines what is happening today, clearly. It's motivated, this narrative is being driven by a rebellion, a deep-seated rebellion against God himself. Let us cast his bands away. Let's break his bonds. Let's throw off all the restraints of morality. Second Thessalonians, would you read there with me as well? You're using your Bible a lot, but I want you to see the, the logic of what I'm saying to you. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And the end of verse number 10 says, They received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Descriptive, I think, of many in our culture today. They, did, they received not the love of truth. And for this cause, because they rejected truth, God will send them strong delusion. What else can we call 59 genders other than delusion? God shall send them strong delusion that they should, be, that they should believe a lie. And here's what God is saying. Hear me. I say it with compassion. I say it with a broken heart. I told you, it makes me uncomfortable to talk about this. You ought to be uncomfortable by now. And yet I have to keep reading God's Word that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in their unrighteousness and their evil. What is America going to do with that verse? It's straight out of the Marxist playbook. Create chaos in every, every area of society. And when you've created enough chaos, you can foment a revolution. And there's nothing more divisive to a family than this. There's nothing more divisive to a church. There's nothing more divisive to a society than what I'm talking about right now. Look, you can get angry with me. You can walk out there and say he's a slobbering fanatic. You can say anything you want. I knelt at the altar of the First Baptist Church in Fort Worth, Texas, 50-some years ago. And they put 
their empty hands on my empty head and ordained me to be a Baptist preacher. And I swore to God and that group of people in Texas that I would preach the Word of God, that whether people liked it or they didn't. Now, I came here and started with 18. I may end up with less than that before this is over. I don't know. But I know one thing. We have got to be committed to the Word of God more than lip service. It's got to come from our hearts. It's got to come from our hearts. And Christians are accepting this across the country. Evangelicals, look at the surveys. They accept it. And so today I come to this point in the book of Genesis, and and I can't duck it. I must confront you with it, and you must decide in your heart what you're going to do about it because it's the big issue. Other than the war and the inflation, you tell me what other issue is bigger right now in our culture than this. Down in Florida, the legislature last week, March 28th, passed a bill called the Parental Rights and Education Bill. The purpose of it from the bill itself is to protect protect children from being sexualized at school, to prevent children from being groomed to be trans, to protect children from questioning their gender, being taught to question their gender in, in school. Do you know? Do you know who the biggest opposition now? You've been listening to the news you've heard. It's Disney. Where we used to go to the theme park, and I took my kids there a time or two, and um, the voice came over the speakers you gathered at the entranceway, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Now, they say they're not going to say that again. They put a statement out this week. We're not going to say, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's not inclusive enough because there are people here other than boys and girls. There are 57 other varieties of people here. They say that going forward, 50% of their characters will be gay. And so when I tell you this is being driven by big business and big so-and-so, Disney is, is really setting the pace for corporations in their wokeness, if you will. And this is the ultimate rebellion, in my opinion. Rebellion against God, but a rebellion against nature. A rebellion against science. See, I remember biology in the ninth grade. And we learned that we have 46 of these chromosomes inside of us, 23 pairs of them. And if you're female, all of yours are XX. And if you're a male, I think 22 pairs of them, I may be right or wrong, I don't know, 22 pairs are, can be anything, but then you get to that one that determines sex, and it's XY. And so you can call yourself whatever you want to call yourself. Male, female, cisgender, whatever you want to call it. Put any label on it you want. But you know what? They can dig your body up 100 years from now and test the DNA. And you know what? 
There's no gender reassignment. You're still an XX or an XY, as the case may be. I know a lot of X's. <laughs> I went over to algebra and they said, that's the unknown. Oh, yeah. There's no such thing as gender reassignment. You don't reassign chromosomes. <laughs> it's like you have a box of crayons and you wear the green one out and so you put the green label on the red one. And it calls for red and you say, oh, but I relabel. It's green now. Your eyes tell you different. Your senses tell you different, but no, no, no. You know, relabeling makes it so. Let me show you God's response. You still have your Bible open to Psalm number two. Why do the heathen rage and people imagine vain things? And the kings set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed. Here's God's response. Verse four. He that sitteth in the heavens will laugh. And the Lord will have them in derision. And then he will speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure and point them and say, Yet I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. The laughter of God there is not the laughter of humor. It's the laughter of scorn. How could you be so blind? That's God's response. So that's what the Bible teaches about human sexuality. And I've referred to it many, many times before, but this morning I said it's in the text, and I want to give a fairly thorough teaching of it because these kids are so impressionable, and everything they're hearing in the culture is contrary to what I've just preached on. And if they don't hear it from me, a pastor, and if they don't hear it from you, a parent, and hear it often to overcome the impact of media and some places, education, and the culture around them, the music, the art, the so on. If, if, we, don't, if we don't put up a front and contradict it, then God's truth is going to disappear. It's not the only thing that's in the text. Go back with me if you will. And in verse number 28, we move on to a little more comfortable territory here, huh? In verse 28, God blessed them now after creating them male and female. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And so we have... A passage of Scripture, it's, it's named. It has at least three different names I know of. You may want to write them in the margin of your Bible. One of them is, it's called the creation mandate. Sometimes it's called the dominion mandate. And then I call it the first great commission. The first great commission. Before God ever gave the great commission about go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize and build up the church. Before he gave that, he gave this commission. And this commission is that God 
appoints Adam now as his representative, as his agent, his vice regent, his deputy, if you will. And he gives him responsibility for the whole earth. He said, you're to have dominion, leadership. You're to have rule over the entire earth. You're the steward here. You're taking responsibility of the planet for me, Adam. And so you could say this is a biblical view of environmentalism. And there's another big issue today that I won't go far down the path on today. But you're to care for the earth, for the plants, for the animals, for the elements themselves. And God gave him three assignments. Look here in your Bible. Number one, he said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and replenish. And the word replenish has the idea of filling up the earth. Now, you may think that we've done that, but there are vast areas of the earth today still that are pretty much uninhabited. And so I don't know what that limit is that God said, but apparently, apparently we haven't reached it. But it means more than just have a bunch of kids, although it does include that. It has the idea that man is to nurture the earth. And so he goes ahead and he says, subdue the earth is the second part of it. Subdue it. In other words, use its resources. You see, God didn't make the earth, or God didn't make us for the earth. God made the earth for us. And he said, I want you to use these resources that I've given to you. The earth was made for you, Adam. It was made for human beings. And so to subdue it, Dr. Henry Morris, the great creationist author, says, here's the birth of science, the birth of science in Genesis chapter 1, that we're supposed to study the earth, that we are supposed to uh, study the resources that God has given us, the processes of the earth, the systems, the cycles of the earth. And then he said it's the birth of technology. We're to take that knowledge that we learn from science and we're to apply it to the universe around us. And so we subdue the power of a river to produce uh, electricity. We launch a satellite and it goes up there and it provides guidance. We can map the whole earth and navigate the whole earth through this. To subdue means to subdue the bacteria and the viruses and the diseases to advance the welfare of mankind. It has the idea here of harnessing the power of the atom, in my opinion, and, and building a power plant, as in Hartsville, that lights up a whole region of the earth. Subdue it. Study it. Apply that knowledge. Use it for the betterment, the improvement of all of society. And so be fruitful and multiply, fill it up, replenish it, subdue it, and thirdly, have dominion over it. And the idea of dominion is rule, is taking authority over it. In other words, God is making Adam the king of the earth. You're the king. Now that kind of flies in the face of a lot of secular environmentalism in our world today, but God put man in charge. He didn't give him authority to rape and plunder the earth, to waste the resources or to do violence to it. That's not what he's talking about. 
Many people have done that, but he gave him authority to develop the earth, to be a steward of the earth and the creatures and the plants that are upon it. And then notice in verse 29 and 30, God provided for every need he had. He provided the food. And originally, you will note here, everybody ate a plant-based diet. Man, animal, fish, fowl. Everybody ate vegetation, vegetables. To eat meat would have required a death. And death didn't come until sin came, the Bible says in Romans 5.12. And after the flood, then God changed that. And God said, you can eat meat. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 3. And he not only provided food, but he provided them a home. In chapter 2 and verse 15, and I'm not going to stop to read it, but a beautiful garden, a perfect environment. And so now here's this man and this woman, the image of God stamped upon them, the crown of God's creation, not the best that evolution could do, the best that God could do. And he provides everything they need, and he puts them in a perfect environment, perfect heredity, perfect environment, and there they are. The world is at peace. The world is prosperity. It has beauty. It has order, paradise on this earth at the end of Genesis chapter number 1. I wish it could have stayed like that, don't you? What a beautiful, beautiful picture, the ending of the chapter here. Would you bow your head with me, please?